we could have a system that was 50 kilowatts going into a 100 amp service. Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This podcast is part two of a 2023 National Electrical Code preview with Bill Brooks that was live at InterSolar in 2022, talking about the 2023 National Electrical Code. Some of the things we're going to cover here are ground fault detection and interruption, that's GFDI, not to be confused with GFCI 690.45. Equipment grounding conductors includes DC and AC not having to increase the size of the equipment grounding conductor when upsizing your current carrying conductor for voltage drop. And the new thing is that now this applies to AC PV circuits, not just DC PV circuits. So for all PV circuits, you don't have to upsize the equipment grounding conductor. We're gonna talk about that when you're dealing with voltage drop. We do size the equipment grounding conductor based on 250.122. We're gonna talk about microgrid interconnect devices. That's an MID. These are getting very popular, sort of like an automatic transfer switch. Inverters are gonna be in interactive mode or voltage mode. We're gonna talk about those differences. We're also gonna talk about putting multiple inverters prior to the first overcurrent protection device. 705.13 power control systems was changed to energy management systems. That's PCS, it was changed to EMS. EMS was previously just for loads. We're gonna talk about Tesla power walls. PCS is not part of the EMS. We're gonna talk about batteries, sources, loads, EVs in Article 625 and more. Okay, on with the show. Ground fault protection. We have been using in our standards the term ground fault detection and interruption, GFDI, for several decades now. So it's not a new concept or new term. And so because we were using the term ground fault protection in 690, there was a task force, which these things happen, to try to clarify ground fault protection from cover to cover in the NEC. And they said, what you guys are doing in 690 is very different from what we're doing in other parts of the code, things like GFCIs and stuff like that, that you might be familiar with AC circuits and building. You know, GFDI is kind of similar to GFCI, but it's different. It's got a letter different, and hopefully people see the D versus C. If you're, you know, dyslexic or your brain doesn't process letters, you've got a big problem. Sorry about that. But anyway, so what we did is we basically took the term GFDI and we just used it throughout to so make it clear that we're talking about stuff on the DC side of the circuit. We're talking about stuff that's very specific to the standards involved in that circuit. And we're not trying to draw stuff in from the GFCI world or other ground fault protection that might be required as service entrance and stuff like that. Okay. I just wanted to reiterate this from the 2020 code. This was a big change. I mentioned it earlier, 690.45. The equipment grounding conductors for PV system circuits shall be sized in accordance with 250.122. But then it says that we allows AC circuits in addition to DC circuits to be sized according to the overcurrent protection size rather than sizes, larger sizes to prevent voltage drop. Okay, so what we're saying here is this first sentence, the reason we changed it is this second sentence talks about that changes in size for voltage drop do not have to increase the size of the equipment grounding conductor. Okay, before it says for PV DC system circuits, okay, PV system DC circuits, which only applied to the PV DC circuits in the system, which meant we didn't have to upsize our equipment grounding conductor. And in most, if you have a 20 amp circuit, 
you're only required to have a number 12 equipment grinding conductor, okay? And even if you put four aught conductors to run your 20 amps, you could have a 12 gauge equipment grinding conductor, which is correct, by the way. And so for the DC side, we had really good evidence as that we didn't need that. And then we said, listen, we're in Article 690. We can do whatever we want. We fundamentally disagree with the concept of having to upsize your equipment grounding conductor because it's not right. What this says is that if you upsize your conductor for voltage drop purposes, which is not a code requirement, it's not a safety requirement, okay, which we do all the time on our AC circuits, folks. On the AC circuits, we try to keep our voltage drop as low as possible. So we often use very large AC conductors, maybe a size to three sizes larger than we have to in order to keep our voltage drop down, all right? Well, we get penalized now with our equipment grounding conductor according to Article 250.122, which says that you have to upsize for any reason. And so we got pushback on this from the folks in Minnesota, and we pushed back on them and said, listen, we're not gonna get into it right now, I'd be happy to explain it to you at another time. It has to do with physics and electrons, and you might not understand that. So anyway, I went back to the history of this. This argument goes back to the 1970s when this stuff about upsizing the equipment grounding conductor went into the code. And so there were a bunch of people that said, oh yeah, if you had to do this, you should do that. And it's like they made all kinds of excuses for it. None of them were technically correct. And everybody said, wow, that sounds right. Yeah, you should do that. And so they went into the code, and then it's like one of those things that everybody it was taught this way, they grew up this way. Your apprentices were told from the very beginning, you always have to upsize your equipment grinding conductor, increase the size of your supply conductors. And it's like, why are we doing this? Nobody asked. It's like, yeah, well, this is the way you ought to do it, but it's wrong. Okay. It's penalizing you for doing the right thing, for upsizing your conductors for good reasons. And now you're being penalized that your equipment grinding conductor is. Well, it could slow the overcurrent device from tripping. Not going to happen. So, okay. So let's go back to this diagram here. Sean showed you a lot of different diagrams about uh, DC coupled, AC coupled. We changed the terms in 2023 code to DC interconnected example. Again, why are we saying this? Because we got rid of Article 712. By getting rid of Article 712, we need to be clear with people we're going to interconnect DC stuff together. Don't lose your shit over this, people. We're going to put DC and DC together. And this would be an example of putting DC and DC together. And, you know, this multi-mode inverter that has two AC outputs on it, all we've done is we've taken the microgrid interconnect device and we stuck it inside the inverter. So don't get all bent out of shape about that either. Okay? So you got to understand that we've been using microgrid interconnect devices, we just didn't call them that, for decades, okay? We just put it inside the inverter. We had two AC outputs. One went, we called the interconnected output that went to the grid or grid-connected output, and the other was the standalone output, and we went that, but there was a relay in between. That relay was the microgrid interconnect device. And all the controls and everything that controlled that interconnect device were in the brains of the unit, so it was super simple. As soon as we take that device out of the unit and we stick it over here, now we have to have communication, okay? Because this inverter is just an interactive inverter, which means you give me a voltage and, and frequency in the right context, good to go. We're going to make some power, all right? Whereas a multi-mode inverter goes 
Tell me a little bit more about your voltage and frequency. Are we talking about, are we connected to the grid? Are we not connected to the grid? That's important to me. I really need to know this because I'm going to work in interactive mode when I'm connected to the grid. And as soon as I'm not connected to the grid, I'm going to work in voltage mode. That's a pretty big difference, folks. And I got to know what's going on. So I have to have a direct communication link to that sucker. I can't just assume that what's going on is cool. All right. So because of that, that means that this device has to be listed with this device. All right. They have to be because this is a communications link. All right. So it makes things really cool, but it makes things more specific. And you can't just mix and match to your heart's content because it just doesn't work that way. Just so you know. And so then we have an AC interconnected example and we're showing like a microinverter system with a bunch of parallel inverters. They could be microinverters. They could be 250 kilowatt inverters. All right, so that's one of the things that I've been working on getting the large scale world into is putting multiple inverters prior to the first overcurrent device. And so we can build multi megawatt systems where the only overcurrent devices at low voltage are a single fuse disconnect going to four inverters. And there are no other fuses in the entire system. Getting rid of them all. So it's cool, it's code. It's using the code correctly. So we have source disconnects, we have microgrid interconnects. Lucky 13, 705.13 power control systems was changed to energy management systems. Yeah, that's what we wanted to do all along, but okay, fine. You always gotta make it somebody else's idea. So we made it somebody else's idea. Energy management, which is article 750, was only load management. You know, everybody's been talking about energy management for decades, right? But nobody ever stopped to ask, well, we're only talking about controlling loads here. We're not talking about controlling power. We're just controlling loads. So if you really want to be energy management, you want to manage your energy, you've got to manage both sides of the equation, right? So you got to do load and source control. And so we finally got that message across. And now load and source control is called energy management. Basically, the whole idea of power control systems was because we were introducing AC coupled battery systems. And that was screwing the pooch on Article 705 to us for load side connections. The only rule people knew was the 120% rule, and we'll go through some of that stuff later today. It's like a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail, so we're gonna use the 120% rule on everything. Well, dude, if I've got a 40 amp PV system on a 200 amp service, I'm done. And I wanna come along and I wanna put Tesla Powerwall in or something like that, and the answer is no, because you've already screwed the pooch. All right. So you can't do it that way. And so we said, okay, well, we have to have something that controls this stuff because the reality is Article 705.12, which talks about load side connections, is all written around the fact that we have no control over this stuff. It's just crazy. Solar power, throw in solar power at buildings. And so you got to do it right. What we want to do is like, what if crazy stuff. We actually measured how much power is coming from the grid and we measured how much power is going to a panel. And then we had some brains that said, you know what, we need this much power. So let's do that. And so we could have a system that was 50 kilowatts going into a hundred amp service. What? Yeah, it'd be stupid, but why not? Right? You could have a really big ass system going into a 19 kilowatt service. Okay. But you couldn't do anything more than 19 kilowatts because that's what the service was rated for. But we could basically have that much power available and we might be able to take some of that power and put it in a battery, right? 
We're already doing this, folks. So we've got a 50-kilowatt system sitting here. The load is only 19 kilowatts. So what do we do with that excess power? We stick it in a battery for when we need it later. We have large-scale systems right now that have a 5-megawatt interconnection that have a 30-kilowatt PV array on them or a 20-kilowatt PV array or whatever they, you know, way, way, way bigger than the interconnection. So here we go. In the past, we called it PCS in EMS. Now it's all going to be EMS. So the PCS part of the EMS. So PCS will still be found in our standards. The standards will still talk about power control systems, but it'll be talking about the part of the EMS that's controlling sources. Okay, so any source over here, which could be, what's an energy storage system? Is it a source or a load? How many people think it's a source? How many people think it's a load? How many people think it's both? Okay, thank you. It's kind of like Deion Sanders. Defense, offense, don't care. We're playing football. So we got this thing. It is a source. There's no doubt about it. It also is a load. We have an energy management system now, which is the bigger concept that says, oh, I've got excess source and I have load available that is dispatchable load as well as dispatchable source. Okay, think of it that way. So now we dump the excess into our batteries. Of course, we need some excess in the batteries in order to do that. And now we have something where we can start to juggle these power sources the way we want to and provide power to our loads. We also can do that with electric vehicles. The electric vehicle section, Article 625, is what gave us the idea to do all this stuff. Because the electric vehicle section of the code said, you know what? You can have a sequencer, essentially, a load bank controller where you can run like a 400 amp feed to a large EV charging area that can actually, you could put 20 cars on, okay? And if you plugged all 20 cars in at once, you could still never, the controller would never allow you to draw more than 400 amps, all right? And so that's cool. That's good. That's what we want. And, you know, maybe the CEO of the company gets all the power at the beginning, you know, because they're the CEO. And then, you know, there's some kind of trickle-down class system in there that's been programmed into that. Totally, you know, horrible. But that's the controller's issues, okay? We're going to, you know, they may have to go to therapy on that. But, but you have this controller that prevents the conductors from receiving overcurrent. And we still put a 400-amp overcurrent device on this circuit. So even if this thing lost its freaking mind... The overcurrent device is there to trip so we don't damage the conductors. Because at the end of the day, the NEC is all about safety. It's all about we do not build, burn buildings down with correctly installed electrical equipment. That's the rule. All right? It's a basic rule. And we do never violate that rule. Okay? So, and we can have really cool stuff now that was technologically not even possible 20 years ago and that we can now do quite easily today. So that's just giving you an idea. The MID that's not as a service, so it's just handling off of feed. This is probably the most common way that Tesla power walls and things like that are being installed today, uh, rather than a whole house backup. But there are a lot of whole house backups where now the gateway or whatever, the microgrid interconnect device is put in as the service point. All the service flows through that. In that case, you better have some load control on this sucker because it's going to crash and burn 
not going to burn in reality, but it's going to crash every time you have a power outage if you don't do some load control. And so load control also has now become, for these types of systems, kind of a de facto thing. So Sean said in the past we didn't really want to talk about automatic transfer switches in the same context of Article 710 standalone systems. And that's still true to some extent, but those lines are getting blurry. Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To find out more about everything, go to solar, S-E-A-N, that's solarshawn.com. There you can find classes and all the things that you need to get yourself NABCEP certified so you can double, quadruple, or 1,000-fold your salary like a billionaire. So all you have to do, get NABCEP certified by taking my classes. That's solarshawn.com.